off top. You know that anglerfish, the male ones, are much smaller than the female anglerfish. And the male ones, in order to procreate, fuse their bodies onto the female bodies. And all their organs dissolve until they just become a floating kind of sperm sack. Play the music! This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. Welcome to the Dominique Foxworth Show. And we are joined by a hero who is very confused by my weird facts, the great, the wonderful, the joyous Monica McNutt. We talking basketball today. Welcome to the show, Monica. How do you feel about these uh, underwater facts? You know, I, wow, that that's interesting. I do wish that yeah. the human race also understood the submissive nature of the anglerfish <laughs> and the power of the woman, but you know, whatever. <laughs> Uh, we we do around here. You listen on Friday, you'll see. That's that's how we feel. Anyway, Charlie Kravitz is here. Um, Charlie, did you ever Google what I told you to Google from last week, Charlie? Monica, no. we're, on, we're right now. I don't we're even talking remember about, what you told me to Google. I mean, not last week. Um, yesterday, I told you to find out about the flatworm. Get oh, some yeah. flatworm info. <laughs> I, I googled that, and I. This is such a. Oh, setup. we're gonna talk about basketball. This is we're such a about, setup. Okay, never mind. Forget it. Then. Forget do you want me to say what you want me to say? You no, say? No, no, no. Dominique wants you to say it. penis fencing. Oh, I don't want you to say penis fencing. You wanted to say penis fencing. No, no, I didn't. I tried okay. to steamroll it. Okay, Monica. In order for you to not be confused, yeah. the flatworm. Mm-hmm. It's a, a sea creature. All of them are hermaphrodites, meaning they have both male and female genitalia. And the way they procreate is they fight each other in a fight called penis fencing. And they're two pronged penises. One stabs the other and impregnates that one. The one that gets stabbed and impregnates then carries the babies. The other one goes on about his life looking for another penis fencing fight. We be educating on this. Very. Show. This is very Nat Geo. I, I appreciate it, though. Yeah. We just need a little voiceover. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> they, they gave me a show and put my name on it. I'm going to talk about all the weird stuff that interests me, but we've wasted too much time. It's almost time. We're getting close to Christmas, and this is when I start paying attention to basketball. So I've been watching a few games, and I need my favorite basketball brain, Monica McNutt, to help me learn. Charlie, what you want to talk about? Wow. Let's play a game. Let's play a game. A game called Real Real or Not Real. Okay. I'm going to ask you about some emerging NBA phenomena. You tell me real or not real. And let's start with the top of the Western Conference. Right now, if you look at the standings, it's not the Lakers. It's not even the Nuggets right now that are in third. It's the Thunder and the T-Wolves. Real or not real, the Thunder and T-Wolves are threats to win the West. Okay, so let me just say this. I'm super flattered by being one of your favorite basketball brains, Foxy. Some of my favorite basketball brains are calling for wait and see with the T-Wolves. I disagree. I think the T-Wolves are real. And let me tell you why. I think Anthony Edwards' emergent as a star has been a long time coming. But when I talk to folks in that organization, the Knicks just played the T-Wolves two weeks ago. Uh, what's his face? Carl Anthony Towns has completely ad- accepted, adapted, embraced, dare I say, the Robin to Batman role when it comes to Anthony Edwards. Rudy Gobert has never been anything but a stout defender, and he continues to be that now. They got the kid Jalen McDaniels, who also is the caliber of defender that should be all defensive team. Now, the question mark, I will admit, because I personally don't know much about him, is Chris Finch down the stretch. But to me, when you got a relatively young core, young-ish, and Edwards being the youngest probably out of the guys that play major minutes. Carl Anthony Towns been in the league for a minute. Rudy Gobert obviously is a veteran in the league. Jalen McDaniels is in that younger tier. But when you've got a core that understands exactly what their role is on a team and it can grow together, 
to me, I get it. What do you want to weigh? You want to weigh a young team growing and getting better or an old team figuring it out and being able to turn back the hands of time? Like, I'm going with the T-Wolves. Yeah, I like the T-Wolves, and they, if I remember correctly, Charlie, they gave the Nuggets their toughest series. Not that the Nuggets had difficulty with anybody last year, but they gave the Nuggets their toughest series. But the remaining question for me is, have they figured out the Rudy Gobert playoff issue? Or I guess maybe the other way to look at it is, I'm putting too much stock in it, but it's been an ongoing thing. It's the reason why I didn't like the Rudy Gobert trade was as much as Rudy Gobert has all this value to your defense, we've seen year in and year out, and maybe it was a Utah problem, but it feels like a perpetual problem with Rudy Gobert being played off the floor. As as Carl Anthony Towns, not great in the playoffs because he just is not great in the playoffs, but it's not a, a structural issue. And Rudy Gobert, to me, unless they figure out some way to protect him, or he's developed some perimeter defensive skills or shooting ability to keep him on the floor, it still comes down to, is he going to get played off of the floor in the playoffs? So please, somebody clear this up. So I, I one, obviously playoffs are about matchups, right? Like I don't, I mm-hmm. don't know that I'm as concerned about Rudy Gobert being played off the floor because of the pieces that are around him now. Right. I think in Utah, you had a little bit of, you couldn't go, but so small. So you had to have okay. Rudy Gobert on the floor. But when I look at, and I don't have their stats in front of me, Nas Reed is working on getting his jump shot together. But Jalen McDaniels is a solid NBA pro. Like he's six 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 seven on the wing. Anthony Edwards, I think they list him at six five. but you know that athleticism is undeniable. Cat is a legit seven-footer. Like they're going to have the length at other positions. Yes, when they go Twin Towers, it's a force to be reckoned with. But I watched when, they had, when the Knicks were in town, Rudy Gobert was off the floor. I want to say it was four minutes in the fourth quarter. They didn't miss a beat. And the Knicks, while they may not be finished top three in the East, that's not a bad team. And so as I look at the matchups that they – I think they've won seven out of their last eight, the T-Wolves. I think that they are constantly evolving and figuring that out. And I just think youth is on their side. I think the big thing – we it, it's more than Gobert, more than Towns. Like, Anthony Edwards has taken yeah. another step forward, incremental. And, like, he's obviously the best player that Gobert's ever played with. And the thing that I think we overthink, I do not think the Timberwolves are going to win the West real hot take there. (laughs) And I think the reason that they're a lot, that they're a much better team is like, we're seeing a guy in his fourth year who's gotten incrementally Mm -hmm. better every single year. And physically he can score at all three levels. And there's not a single matchup in the league where he's not going to be able to get to his spots. And that makes things so much easier for everything else to fall in line. Like they have a, they have a true number one. And what we knew before is that if there's a Timberwolves team where Carl Anthony Towns is your number one, you're not winning anything. You're going to have terrible press conferences. You're going to about, have about 35 different voices. You're going to have you're going to have embarrassing quotes like "I know what I must do, brother. I must must carry Kevin Garnett's torch." But Anthony Edwards, he is their vet. He is he. We, we learned this in the press conference last year. He is much cooler than Carl Anthony Towns, and all of the pressure of this team being a choking, weird, bad fit team is off when you have. A guy who's a potential superstar leading the team. Beyond, all right, I've, beyond I've, that, though, Kravis and Foxy, if I may, he's also a guy that's sort of cut from the KD cloth in that he just wants the ball. Like, he just yep. wants to play basketball. All right, um, you mentioned the Thunder, too. I don't want to get out of this to the next topic without talking about the Thunder. Um, tell me why I love Chet so much. Because um, he's, he, he's got that 
edge thing about him. Like he's been denied at every level and he holds it. Like he's probably the dude that yeah. remembers every slight, has it written down somewhere, but not gonna tell you. Um I, I like Chet a lot too. I'm with you on that Foxy. And I and I was wrong. I was completely drinking the Victor Wembanyama Kool-Aid. I'm Chet's gonna be rookie of the year because he's gonna play meaningful minutes. Yeah. This team is going to be in, in a position to shake some things up. But beyond that, and Chet actually said it to me when I had the Thunder Pelicans game earlier this year. He's like, we're all kind of sort of the same age. So, like, we're doing it together. It's almost like college, right? You got this mm-hmm. young squad. They're not annoyed by one another. Like, they, they're just all kind of figuring it out together. And as we know, they let one of their brethren slip kind of badly. But anyway, we're not going to get into that too much. Um, but I think they are all genuinely so happy for one another's success. And beyond Chet, Shea Gilders-Alexander, Gilders- like, top five scorer in the league, assassin, but again, genuinely like unbothered, like let my teammates win, like just just cool. And then you go down that roster in terms of their physical gifts and talents, J Dub, Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara. To me, he's gonna be a guy that we're talking about for the next decade, whether he stays in OKC or not, but as a guy that mm-hmm. teams want on their team because of what he does and how cerebral he is in terms of playing a game of basketball. So they hit on quite a few guys and Dagnall. I have I've had a chance to have conversations with him three times now to cover games. He's one of my favorite guys to talk to. One of my favorite coaches to talk to. Outside of the Nuggets, they're the best team in the West. That's wow. what I actually. That's that's how I actually feel about it. Um, how good is I'm SDA not mad at that. And really, how good is SDA, really Charlie? Really and 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 when does he stop? Like uh, when does he stop improving? Because it feels like every year I hear a little bit from the smart basketball people about how much better SGA is and how good he is. Is he at his peak? I mean, I feel like he's he's playing MVP caliber. He may not be a true MVP yet, but like he's playing at that level in his ability to to impact the game. I mean, Monica, you probably my my view of this, but I'd love to know you. Is like this is someone who's in the the tier and sort of at the top of the tier with like. Tatum and Booker in mm-hmm. that type of guy mm-hmm. like the you, you know you're you're below the top 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 I know I can win a championship with this guy the the Jokic Curry Giannis but he's right there with that next group he can do he can score at all three levels he's a great passer he's a good defender he fits really well with the team the ball moves I think that's a fair place to put him Charlie and I think the thing that has been so special in I don't want to say a full season leap because it probably started to happen last year, but they're in OKC, so we don't really talk about it. But his handle on the pace of the game, like you'll see him get a rebound and then kick it into second gear to go from free throw line to free throw line. And if he can't get all the way to the rim, like that pullback hesitation kind of reset and then explode, like he's playing with such a control of pace in terms of getting to all three levels and picking his spots. I do think there's probably – a little bit of room for this team to like fully embrace be selfish in a team concept. Cause I do wonder if sometimes they get a little too cute and it's overpassing, but when the overpassing is work is working, like you're watching the basketball fly around and it's so much fun. They know one another so well. All right, Charlie, I want to get to a bunch more teams. I feel like we could do a ton more on these two teams, but I want to get to everything else. What else you got? All right. Tyrese Maxey superstar breakout. Real or not real? Real. And and been been a long time coming. Obviously, Doc Rivers works for us now. So if you can grab Doc for your pod, I would recommend you do that. But I was with him in Golden State last week. Or no, not Golden State. Where were we? Uh, Phoenix, the other day. And he still talks to Tyrese, like, regularly, right? Like, mm-hmm. And even last year as Tyrese's coach, you could tell while Tyrese was out. I think I had two Sixers games while Tyrese was out. 
And Doc was very candid. That Tyrese is in his ear, almost bugging him, like looking at plays, watching film. Like he is a true student of the game. Um, I think last year he hit a little bit of a um, lull. And there was a great story in local um, papers in Philly about his parents just kind of reassuring him that you were built for this. But he's another guy that plays with such presence of mind. He plays with such joy. The system for him in terms of playing off of Joel Embiid, we've seen it to another level this year. Last year, we saw them tinker with him at the point guard spot. And obviously, that roster was constructed more for James Harden to be that star. But overall, in general, as I, I think as we look across the league at either these young guys having breakout years or young teams having breakout years, it's the pace of play to me. Like, we, there's the adaptation of what the Warriors started into what fits, right? So Tyrese is moving with, without the basketball. I've, I made this comp, and I didn't want people to get too crazy. There's some Steph-like qualities to what he does. He doesn't shoot the ball as well as Steph, but, like, in terms of the activity that he plays with, and he doesn't necessarily command all that Steph commands yet because he's having that kind of year. Yeah, um... Charlie had to correct me on my assumptions about uh, because you had Steph like, and the first thing is he doesn't shoot like Steph. Yeah, nobody does. Right. But he shoots a lot better than you expect him to. And I mean, and this is probably just my own bias is super explosive players like that. They don't, they never also have a consistent jump shot. It's just not what I've become accustomed to is like, it's like, uh, I guess when you have the ability to blow by people, maybe you don't ever develop that real shooting, but he can shoot. And that combination, I think, what Charlie cares about, I'm assuming, because Charlie is a, a is a uh, interaction, or excuse me, a transaction type of guy, is you care about whether this is going to be good enough to keep him beat or not. So what do you think? To- totally. And the thing that I find, it, so to your point, Monica, you know, last year he shot almost 44% from three, and this year it's down to right around 40. Down to right mm-hmm, around 40. Mm-hmm. Still really, really elite. Incredible. But on, on catch and shoots, he's still shooting 46% on yeah. catch and shoot threes. And so, like, he's someone who can play off of double teams incredibly well. But, yeah, the Embiid factor has been what's been looming over this team, I don't know, for the last six years. They've been looking for a real number two. They had Simmons. They had six months of Jimmy Butler, less than six months of Jimmy Butler. And now they were four bounces away from maybe winning a title. Mm. Um, they brought in Harden and they brought in Maxi, And this seems like the first one that's going to really fit. And I wonder, does this materially change how you view Embiid's relationship with the 76ers and just the 76ers in general? Because I think coming into this year, we thought they might take a step back, but it does not seem that way. Here's my thing on all the Embiid, like, is he going to stay? Like, where's his better option? Like, tell me where he's in a better position. I, I'm legitimately asking, not even to be snarky, but I can't come up with it. I legit can't come up as, with it. I mean, I, I think you need to, you as the Knicks radio personality, <laughs> I think you need to figure out a way to come up with it. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think you better get, you better figure out how, how you can make Julius Randle <laughs> look as good as Cyrus Maxi or something. I don't know. I, I hear where you're coming from, but just as an objective appreciator of basketball. Yeah, I feel you. I, I, I can't come up with it. And then to me, y'all still waiting to be seen. And I think this guy has been dealt. I can't say short another stick because he got paid, but I do think that Tobias Harris has been completely underutilized in terms of his skill set, right? Like, and everybody's like, oh, he got paid and he's not producing. Well, he was oftentimes asked to be basically amoeba for that team, wherever the gap is behind your two stars and then your emerging star and Maxi. So what does it look like as this team gets into January in terms of his productivity consistently? Um, quick question before we go to the next topic, just yes or no, um, Monica. You ready? Mm-hmm. Will Will Georgetown win a Big East game this season? Ooh, tough game against TCU. 
Yes, not many, but yes. Okay. Okay. All right, Charlie, what's next? (laughs) (laughs) Guys, the Warriors era is over. True or false? Or real or not real? Uh, I should. So I'm going to go first on this one because I learned my lesson. I had Steph Curry mocking me personally. Uh, in the press conference with the zero goggles. I thought it was over once before, so I'm hesitant to say it's over again. But I ain't scared. They done zero titles for them again. Them boys is old. It's stepping a bunch of old dudes. So, okay, I'm with you, Foxy, because I think that was the same year that I got on first take and said, window closed and they won a championship. So I feel you. We both have scar tissue from this. What I think is unique about this particular year and Steve Kerr said it to us when I was in Golden State. Like, I'm just loving being on this game access these days. Um, he was you so Steph, Clay, Draymond are old. I old as a complimentary way, seasoned, have won four championships, whatever. Lots of mileage on their body. I'm not saying that old is necessarily a bad thing. The issue though is the rest of those young guys have not had ample opportunity to play through their mistakes and learn because the Warriors are constantly trying to win. Straight from Steve Kerr's right. mouth. Straight from Steve Kerr's mouth. And so now those guys don't seemingly have the basketball IQ that made the Warriors the Warriors when you had Iguodala, what's my light skin dude with the long face? I can't call his name, but him. A Livingston. There you go, Livingston. Like, the, the IQ is just not the same. And if you can't play through your mistakes, you're not going to pick up that IQ. Like, you're just not going to. So, counterpoint, you got T-Wolves, you got Thunder. Play through all your mistakes because we all we got. Let's go. We figured it out in real time. I would have thought that you would have went with a guy who had a debilitating injury and came back, but you went with a long face. <laughs> long face, light skin. I, I like that. I I do also want to appreciate that. Next time we have Kevin Clark on, we need to make him listen to this because this is a proper name drop. Every question, she had name drops, but they were valuable name drops. Kevin just be out here like, hey, what do, what do you think about the college football playoff? Well, when I talked to Emmett Smith last week, he told me that he had he could have had 2,000 yards. Like, you just wanted to say you talked to somebody. But Monica has useful name drops. Keep dropping them names. Breaking the pavement with them you names. You know what I'm All saying? Right, Charlie, <laughs> Guys, this is sad. The Warriors are cooked. Cooked? Yeah. They're real cooked. I mean, it's not sad. we haven't, we haven't, I mean, Clay is continually becoming more and more of a shell of fun Clay Thompson. Mm-hmm. Andrew Wiggins, after his personal issue last year, we missed a ton of time, showed up completely out of shape in camp. He's a shell of himself. He's the risk of like when people were like, maybe you don't pay Andrew Wiggins because he hasn't played hard before this contract, before he's in a championship situation. And it's even worse. And Steph is a force multiplier. If there are other guys that they respect who want it, who can and want to hit shots on the floor Mm -hmm. and the Warriors have none of those guys. And I don't see how they get out of it because they had the golden opportunity. They had the three picks in the top 14 and they got Moses Moody, Jonathan Kaminga and James Wiseman. And they missed on two and a half of those and Wiseman COVID draft, whatever you took him ahead of LaMelo ball. That sucks. He took him ahead of Tyrese Halliburton. That really sucks. He's the perfect Warriors player. Jonathan Kaminga want to pick ahead of Franz Wagner who it's a lot of really fun. sucks. Yeah. He's a per- yeah, yeah. perfect Warriors uh-huh. player. Moses Moody went two picks ahead of Alper and Shangun. Can't really play defense. Also a perfect Warriors player. <laughs> and when you, when you miss on all three, 
That's the devastating if, thing. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, based off of um, Monica's most recent name drop of Steve Kerr, it's possible that none of those guys become the players that they have become because if Steve Kerr is saying that the problem was the guys that he had weren't getting the minutes because of other guys, I'm not sure. But maybe they do fit in because they – no, they don't because a lot of those guys – their skill set looks very warrior y because the guys in front of them do the Warriors thing, Monica. I, I'm not. I, it looks Warriors y because we're looking at them through a Warriors lens. Kaminga is an athlete. Right. Like, Kaminga could easily be in Charlotte or Indiana running up and down the floor, like just running and dunking. Mm. I don't have quite the handle on Moses Moody's game, but Kaminga is a guy that has excelled because he is an elite athlete. I had him last last season in Chicago. The Warriors blew the Bulls out, and he had one of his best games of a, of his career. But it's because he was out athlete out, out out athleting everybody on the Bulls roster. Like he's a guy that can get to rim and four dribbles, like can finish through contact, all of that. But when you gotta go screen away, so because this action has happened on the other side of the floor, and you looking like, wait, but, but when do I get the basketball? And you haven't grasped like if you screen well enough, you're going to be open. Well, the athleticism is kind of null and void. I can relate, Moody. When I was in the wreck at Maryland, eh, nobody worried about running no offense. Be faster and stronger and jump higher than everybody. It works out when you're in the wreck. <laughs> yeah, it may not work out at NBA. All right, Monica, last thing before we go. I think um, in season tournament, first season, it's, uh, it's it's catching on, I think, more than I anticipated. Same. So what are you excited about? Um, it's Monday, so while we're, we're recording it before this. the quarterfinals, yeah. final games. Yeah. yeah. So we're recording on Monday. I'm actually, when we wrap heading out with the Knicks, they play the Bucks in their in-season tournament game on Tuesday. I, I uh, in terms of the talking that is created, way to go, Adam Silver, from the ugly courts to the whole bit. Like, it's definitely been buzzy. I can't figure out if there was some internal memo that told all the stars to be excited about it or if they're generally, genuinely yeah. excited. Because some of these comments have, I've been pleasantly surprised or just oddly surprised. And then again, I, I often cover the Knicks. So Tibbs is a guy that's like, it's a regular season game. That's the most important thing, which is very true. Um, I, uh, the, the conversation around the point differential last week was kind of interesting to me. Um, of course, Joe Mazzulla is a guy that takes it to the edge. Shout out to Joe. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think maybe they might want to cap that at 20 and then it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, nah, I don't care. Don't, don't get your beat by 20. Like, I mean, ain't nobody care about you. That feelings. too. And also like, let your bench squad run it up. If they can't run it up, get your starters off. So nothing happens. Yeah. And then if your bench squad can't run it up, come on now, they are NBA players. Like, let it go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and that's an opportunity for planning important, meaningful minutes for them, even though the score is out of hand, the, the minutes do become meaningful. Overall, I think while the amount of money that they could win by winning the tournament doesn't matter, I think that Adam Silver probably made it clear to them that this is a property that could be sold, right. that could increase the the revenue of the league altogether, which then goes into everybody's pocket. So, like, it does not benefit you. It does not benefit anybody in the NBA to treat this like it doesn't matter or dismiss it. So they all got the memo. You're right. And I hope that it keeps it up because it does make it matter. And once we get single elimination games – no matter what we watch, and I watch anything that's single elimination, yeah. the intensity that comes with that is going to be. Fun. I'm with you, and then I think the other thing to me too, like Indiana has a shot at this thing, uh, the Knicks have a shot at this thing. Like t to me, teams that have not won and are starved for some sort of like, look what we did. Everybody kind of, I don't, I shouldn't say everybody did, but I don't know if people were watching when Sacramento won summer league and then was in the playoffs. Like so, there is something yeah. to be said for the mentality. 
I feel like the Suns were that team a couple years ago where they, like, balled out in the bubble. I know the mm-hmm. bubble is different than Summer League. But, like, I think when you're in these unique situations, it does, I don't know, it challenges you. It forces you to grow and find out a little bit more about yourself. So it's good for them. Right, Charlie? Yeah, I mean, the thing, I, I look at it from the fans' perspective. The more people that get to realize how good Tyrese Halliburton is, <laughs> the, the, the better. Bro, are they ever going to, they cannot win if they don't play zero defense, y'all. Like, we talk about real or not. Like, the offense is real. It's a ton of fun. I think Tyrese is great. I'm excited for Obi Toppin. But, like, y'all have to stop somebody at some point. Um, nah, nah, they just come to play Jordan Poole, Charlie's favorite player, and his favorite team, the... Washington Pool of Hearts. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's Pool, special. Pool and Coos. Coos and Pool. I love them guys, man. They're so funny. And Charlie Charlie actually wants this team to be good. It's great. I mean, I don't think he believes they're going to be good, but I feel what? like he's give. No, I feel you like. Get, I want them to be bad this year. Oh, okay. No, 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 no. I think that the point I'm making is. You have you're a Washington football team commanders fan, but you don't actually care about them. They've beaten the love out of you. Oh, yeah. I feel like there's the some hope left. There, there's some hope left for you and these wizards. So the wizards being this bad hurts a little to be. I mean, to you, I think. Am I wrong? So no, it does not hurt me because <laughs> oh, okay. what hurt me was the years of mediocrity. They should have moved see, Bradley like, Bill. Of, yes. Of like John Wall and Bradley Beal going, we're the best backcourt in the league. The Cavs have ducked us. Curry and Clay aren't better than us. That hurt me because I was like, all right, sick, <laughs> That's- sick four seed and losing in the second round where you just talk a lot. <laughs> this, I'm like, you know what? We're an embarrassment. I grew up with an embarrassing organization. I grew up with an embarrassing franchise. This is home to me. I can deal oh, with home. this if there's at least hope at the end of the, t- <laughs> the tunnel. Oh, no, I'm a loser, Monica. This is home. Oh, man. That's all right. Uh, well, uh, perfect timing. All right, Monica, you are the best. I appreciate Jeez. you. I'll see you later. Bye, guys. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash df today to get 10 percent off your first month that's better help help.com slash df 
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Next up, we're talking college football with the great Holly Anderson. Hello, darling. Hello, darling. I love it. I'm gonna start singing Roy Orbison. I don't know who that is. Fair enough. Fair enough. I appreciate that all of you guys um, on the shutdown forecast giving me some entertainment with my um, my college football. Not that college football needs any more entertainment, but right now we are in the most entertaining part. Uh, I would say of the college football season, but it feels like college football in the last. 20 years has never been more entertaining than what happened after the championship games. I feel as though we are getting not like cosmic revenge, but we're, we're kind of getting ours back for the universe for complaining all season that it's just been chalk. And, you know, there's been lots of drama. There's been lots of great games, but mostly, you know, the winners have been winning and the losers have been falling off. And then, Along come these bunch of dudes in the Dallas Marriott who are just like, bing, you want to bet? Bing. What? Here go all your expectations out the window. What? So I know what I've latched on to as like my mm. position and like, I don't really care who wins the national championship. <laughs> However, for the sake of argument, I have latched mm. on to Florida State. You cannot tell them that there was something else that they should have done better. So, like, with mm. the other teams. We're playing a real that, conference. No. I mean, the conference had a winning record against the SEC, and they mm. beat LSU, which they, like, LSU wasn't the top of the top, but it's still LSU. So, you can look at Florida State's resume and win a Power 5 conference. Did it. Have the best mm. strength of record. They have the third best strength, strength of record. Done it. Don't lose any games. Did that. Mm. When already hit win your conference championship. There is so with the other teams like Alabama, you could have said you could say you should have beat Texas. Georgia, they're out, but you could have said you should have beat um Alabama. Um who's the other team uh that got in? Oh, um Ohio State was Texas. in there for a minute. No Washington. Yeah, Texas, Oregon. Texas. You're like, yeah. you should have beat Oklahoma. All those teams, like I feel like you can point to the team and say you should have done something different. Florida State, the argument for them is, well, 
You should have shouldn't should have had stronger leg bones. I I don't know. Good so argument. Holly, Holly, what is there anything in this that you've latched onto? Because I'm although I didn't go to Florida State and I don't really care. I'm really loving yelling at people about why Florida State deserves to be in. I'm deeply resentful, first of all, at being made to feel sorry for Florida State, but that's where we're at. Like, this is this is grim. Uh, as an alum of the program who, who beat Florida State in the first BCS National Championship, you know, I, I kind of, I guess I'm maybe used to feeling bad for them, but they've been so fun to watch this yeah. year, and... I mean, pick an outrage. There, there, there's ones on every side. You know, you can say, well, the 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 Boo Corrigan got up there and said of Liberty getting a New Year's Six bid, they just kept winning. <laughs> That's a direct quote. They just kept winning. Okay, they just kept winning with what the hundred and thirty third strongest schedule in the country. And uh, oh god, so now they got to play Oregon. Have fun. Like that's mean to Oregon. <laughs> And did you see what Florida State's uh, did you see what Florida State's quarterback posted on Twitter? It broke my heart. Yeah. Talking about it? how he wished he had gotten his leg broken earlier. And like like he is uh, no matter what else you think about this process, this process has made this kid this and there's there's still kids to me because I'm old yeah. made this kid feel as though this is his fault. And. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but can I drop something kind of grim on you? Dominique, heat check me here. You've been there. Okay. Are, okay. Picture a future. Power two conferences. It's pretty easy to say, to, to predict, you know, the future is unknowable. But next few years down the line, does it feel pretty safe to say that we will see teams like Georgia and Alabama or Ohio State and Michigan competing at the end of the year in conference championship games that have playoff uh, that have playoff implications on the line. Absolutely. Are we not, especially with rivalry week at the end of the season, are we not now incentivizing teams to create season ending injuries for high profile players on the other team? And it doesn't even have, this doesn't even have to be the team thing. This can be a booster thing, sidling up some fifth year senior who's never going to see the team and say, Hey man, you want to be a hero? This can be some unit taking it upon themselves. And like, I don't feel like this is that out of bounds because this is a sport run by terrible people. Like all the crowing that we're doing about player safety. I, I, I would like to champion this also because, I mean, if we're talking about people as responding to incentives, that's a fair thing to point out. If you're yeah. if you incentivize them based on this, that I mean, it seems reasonable. It's not something that I think. And the thing, fact of the matter is the like the horse collar tackle is uh, is outlawed because it's so dangerous. Um, if and as you're right, this is a dark, grim place. And you are yeah. a fun person, and I would like to have a fun <laughs> podcast. So I'm surprised. I don't by like. This. I don't like going. How, I don't like going. However, here, but that's immediately where my brain went. You're right. If they are to accept the idea that um, valuable players being out of the equation matters, then yeah, it's hard to argue that there isn't some incentive to do it. Whether guys will follow through, I mean, I guess there's always some incentive to hurt the opponent's best players. So maybe right, we argue right, that maybe this, this is, does not increase oh. the incentives anymore. But yeah, it's it's unfortunate, but it's true. And if you don't want to be that dramatic, it's well, look at what else it's doing. It's disincentivizing uh, truthful injury reports, which has gambling implications, right. of course. Like, should Florida State have been less forthcoming about this? Should they have said he's day-to-day? Should they have said he's out three to six weeks? I love this. Uh, and, and, you know, they come in, and they come in with a backup quarterback, and they still win, and they are being punished for that.
I just like, love, I, this I is, love this the idea of him having a snap leg and then being like, day to day. You never <laughs> <Yeah>. know. <laughs> Listen, they, there are coaches. Who could, there are coaches who yeah. could pull that. There are coaches in the playoff who could pull that off with a totally straight face, and one of them is not taller than me. <laughs> um, and don't tell me he couldn't do it. I, I mean, I oh, think yeah. Con, I think Connor Stallions is, is is up for hire. He will do Nancy Kerrigan anything for for Michigan. He'll do mm. whatever it takes. Connor Stallions obviously committed to the process. He was uh he was at the Big Ten championship. Did you see? Was he? Sitting with Portnoy. Oh, it's going that way. Gosh. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. That, that was a matter of time. Yeah, I guess, him and before it started to go in that direction. <laughs> that's a rest stop. Oh. Uh, anyway, um, Charlie, is there something in this? So, of the two arguments that we're making, is there something that we're missing that we need to hop on as far? And I guess we well, should get to projecting what we think is going to happen. Actually, talk about yeah. the games and talk about yeah. the teams. But I want to live in this as long as I can. I would like to milk well, so, all of this well, drama. These, these teams are great. These games Games are great. I like. I want a Michigan Washington title game. Like I haven't wanted anything in this postseason in several years. But like, look, this isn't this isn't hating. There are there are Bama teams that are a lot of fun to watch. This isn't one of them. I don't want to watch this team again. Yeah, I do want them though. Yeah. I mean, I I appreciate it. Uh, Brian, one of our producers, went to Michigan and loves that team. And he tried to argue that Michigan wasn't scared when Alabama got named that. That their response in the uh, in the moment was not, mm. oh, we got to deal with them. When it's clearly they wanted Florida State, they don't want no trouble with Alabama. I'm just trying to boil this down to the most basic, basic level. Why do we put these four teams in this pot? Because we're going to try and figure out which one of these four teams is better. Two of them already played each other. <laughs> what are we doing? And Alabama, to be fair, listen, Ohio I did, State I and Michigan made it, was, it last uh, year. Yeah, I mean, and, and Georgia yeah, is probably. I didn't the, like that either. Georgia yeah. is <laughs> probably. Uh, I mean, they just lost to Alabama, but I, I feel like the defending national champion that hasn't lost anything. Like their argument of are they? If you're saying that you put in the best four teams, it's hard to believe that Georgia is not one of the best four teams to me. But it's also hard to say that they don't deserve it because they only lost one game and it was to mm-hmm. a team that you have now decided is number four. And had they lost to their one loss was week one, we'd feel differently about this team, which also is like the time. I don't know. I, I, I imagine that it just feels so arbitrary and subjective and unfair and ridiculous. It makes me yearn for the BCS back in the day when at least at the beginning of the season, you knew what metrics you were going to be measured by. Okay. And you know what the crazy thing is? We've been saying this all season on the show, which is unlike us. The, you know, there, there is a Twitter account out there that will track what the, what the BCS would have done in a given year. And up until now, like the BCS has been moving in lockstep with the committee, which is very, very funny. But we've said this more than once on our show this year. The committee has made the correct choice every time up, up until now. They have made they have made the crowd like whether we like them or they've not, also they undercut made... their legitimacy by having yeah. the rankings the way that they've had the rankings all season and then the last week the <sighs> one that matters the most they're like you know what you know what <laughs> them rankings this is what we want to do and they and they i'm glad that what you said a minute ago you got it really you got it really the part where the part where they're really screwing up because do we want the team that has put the best product on the field so far or do we want the team that we think is going to put the best product on the field now? And they keep saying one, <laughs> and then that's not what's happening. Like, are, 
I have a question. I, I cannot get past I, I cannot get past the notion of and you know there's a zillion other arguments, but I cannot get past the notion that we are punishing Florida State for rallying to a conference championship yeah. with a backup quarterback. Are you kidding me? I thought we loved these stories. I Tom Rinaldi tells me we love these stories every year. <laughs> well, so it's, it's a th- third string quarterback too in that in the ACC championship and a game. freshman. Yeah, and he's a beating, freshman, right? Is he a freshman? Freshman or I think he's. I'll double check, but he uh, he's a they, baby. They also beat a top fifteen by ten points, a top fifteen team by ten points to get there. And so, like common opponent in LSU. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The question I would have with this, because I think we can all agree, joking aside, they didn't make the right decision. But right. do you guys think had Florida State been put in, they would have gotten run by Michigan? And do you think it will be a better game with Alabama? Like, well. Had the, had it been flipped, does it even matter? It does, we've yeah, had so what I fo- think doesn't matter, and I've been having That's this argument yeah. all day with Mike Greenberg and play, well, actually Mike's on my side with Dan Orlowski, and the point that Mike made that I think is a good one is it doesn't matter what I think. And I responded no. by saying, you know what? I thought that the Patriots, the undefeated Patriots, were going to beat the Giants too. Like upsets happen, so yes, I think Florida State would have lost. Not but- as much in college. Like not as but much it doesn't in college, matter what see. we think. That's why, if that's what we think, why play the games? Yeah, <laughs> well, it's just that's like what we... the games are for. Yeah. That's what the football is for. <laughs> we just saw TCU lose by sixty-five in the national championship. But they won I assume the... that... Okay, that's a bad. This is this is actually what my co-host co-host Jason Kirk thinks happened. Uh, he thinks Florida State is being punished because of what TCU. Yeah, did last that's year. part of it. Like we don't want bad games, and like, well, I mean, TCU did win the um, semifinal yeah. game. It's not like they just didn't. Do, they didn't deserve yeah. to be there so like michigan would have lost by 80 and michigan is back so in the game this, now even this alleged so, punishment even this alleged punishment makes no so sense. if you're going to argue that you don't want to react you don't want a repeat of the tcu thing then why put michigan in because michigan was worse than tcu so would you you yeah. put a team that got beat by the, the team, team that the got beat by seven so i agree that's the point you don't freaking no. know so stop pretending and i I love them and I love watching this team, but you know, if we're doing projections, one thing nobody is if, if we're gonna if we're gonna go back and pull Georgia in because you know give them a chance at a three peat. Why aren't we talking about the fact that Michigan is looking for their first playoff win in three straight appearances? Bums, get them out mm-hmm. of there. Well, so the, I guess this will lead to the follow up. And by the way, Florida State. It's it's not like this is some like little sister of the poor team. This is I like, know. Look what we've turned Florida State into. This is insane. Terrible, terrible. Look what place. you're making so us do. When I used Florida to play, State, I used to play yelling. there. I'm sorry. We would we would try to get the nicest hotel in Tallahassee. Always had roaches. Anyway, but also like, everyone in Tallahassee smoked. I'm <laughs> like they start smoking in Tallahassee at like eight. That's Amazing. the only thing I remember about going down there, uh, going down there for games. Uh, they deserve it. All right, Charlie, you want to spin it? Is that everyone smokes? You want to spin do, it though. forward? Oh, sorry, you guys. I do. Else? Also, I just wanted to say it's worth noting. We're gonna. This probably won't be a talking point f- moving forward, but it might look even sillier next year when we see Keon Col- Coleman and Jared Verse like playing really well as rookies in the NFL, and we're like, those are the guys who were left out of the playoff because this is not. It's not a no talent team either. It's like. NFL guys are going to be impact guys. And look at their defense. Yeah. We're completely discounting their defense. Yeah. yeah. Their defense would have kept um, any game close, I presume. All right. Yeah. Well, especially if JJ is not healthy in time for Michigan. He, uh, you know, he had a, a, a meniscal repair, I think, immediately after the Big Ten championship game. And he's got some rest and God help him. He needs it, you know, bless his heart. But uh, I would, you know, 
you talk about, I think Michigan would have run Florida State off the field. I'm not sure what a, maybe a totally not healthy JJ would have made of that Florida State defense. Yeah. Um, which brings me to that. Do you guys, Michigan has been really good all year. This is sort of their year. Who knows how long Harbaugh is going to be there? Who, who knows how, <laughs> if they'll be as talented or more talented than the rest of their conference moving forward as the Big Ten expands. Going into the playoff, do you guys think Michigan's clearly the best team? Is this their is this their chance with a playoff that has not been the most deserving teams, but what the committee thinks is the four best teams they're going to have to go through? Am I insane if I tell you I think it's Washington? No. Which again has has face planted in the playoffs before, but I'm I'm holding space in my heart for like surprise Washington explosion. Yeah. I watch the big college football games, so I think that my opinion doesn't really matter. Like, I don't watch it as closely as I watch the NFL games, but I always revert to SEC. Like, I just revert, and that's just my reflex to say, like, no, Michigan's not the best because they didn't come out of SEC. I'm sure I'm wrong, and I know Charlie watches a lot more of this than I do, and obviously Holly does too, but um, I don't have a ton the the I've watched two, three Michigan games this season, and they struggled with my Terps. They struggled against uh, Ohio State. Like, at no point did I feel like they were just a dominant team. So, like, it feels like a lot like the NFL kind of feels this year. We're, uh, we got a lot of good teams. Nobody's great. So, the idea that Michigan is going to, like, be clearly better than Alabama, I find that hard to believe. Yeah. I – and again, I'm not in the prediction game. We got out of the prediction game a long, 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 long time ago. Washington is just the team I want to see keep playing the most. Yeah. Like, that's the team I want to watch the most football for. So I think this is a really interesting playoff from what, what when I'm watching, when I think about these teams, because I think they all have, like, different reasons for why they would win. Like, if Bama wins, this is going to be another re-coronation of Nick Saban. Like, what a Nick Saban Boring. team. But like, yeah. but, like, it's going to be all about coaching. It's going to be all about, like, turning around the season of a quarterback who had been benched. If Michigan wins, I think it's going to be because they were the most talented team from top from top to bottom and sort of showed it over the course of the season. If Washington wins, it'll be the first sort of Pac-12 team, offense-only team, sixth-year quarterback, someone who's literally a man against boys just lighting up the scoreboard. They were nine-and-a-half-point dogs in their conference championship and ended up in this. So this would be shocking. And if Texas wins... I think it's going to be the sort of, uh, I don't know, like an earthquake to college football. If Texas wins, we all got to go to ground for like yeah. a month to Texas hide from is the back. narratives. <laughs> we got to. I'm I'm going into a bug out shelter. Oh, gosh. What is the most likely game to be a blowout? Like, what's the combination of the four teams that are remaining uh, in the championship or the semifinal game? Which what is the combination of teams that could? land us in a situation where we're looking at something close to what happened to TCU last year. Like, I feel like Alabama's out no matter what, just their experience, right. their coaching. They're not, they're, they're not, not built for yeah. it. Even though they're not as talented as they used to be, they're not going to get stomped in that way. I, I mean, I guess it has to be Washington, right? Like Washington is the team that's going it, to get. It feels like, it feels like this is where surprise Washington explosion comes into play. Maybe against again, a JJ who's not fully healthy. Right. Yeah, that I mean, Washington put up those numbers, and if the Michigan is not responding in kind, it could get out of hand. But Washington also could have faced so defensively this season. Who is the best defense that Washington has put up good numbers against? 
I, I mean, I, I'm sorry to put you guys on the spot. On Pac-12 schedule. It's probably going to be Arizona or some <laughs> <laughs> They beat Utah 35-28. Oh, um, duh, and, that's it. Yeah, and Utah every year. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good defense yeah. now. I feel like every year at like the end of October, we're like, man, I love this Utah team, and we like forget that we love them until the end of October again the next year. It's uh, it's great. All right, predictions on this. If we're gonna go through them, who do we actually not hear Holly play? say she? I know, but I have to ask. Okay. Mm. Oh. Um, oh, I'll, my mom's gonna get letters. I will get my prediction. Um, and I will choose the prediction for Holly. Also, she can. Um, you can, I'll make a prediction. Okay, I'll make cool, a prediction. Cool, cool. All right, my pre- prediction is Alabama. I gotta trust my uh, SEC bias. I, I didn't even play in SEC. I'm not from none of them slave states, but I know <laughs> that they always win championships. I mean, I grew up in Baltimore. Maryland's a slave state too, so I, I'm I'm with you guys. Hmm. I. You know what? Since this is a pure guess, why not shoot for the team that I want? Yeah, Washington. Let's go, dogs. Husky, our friend of the show, Mina Kimes, will appreciate that. She's not going to believe it, but she'll appreciate it. She went to Yale. She doesn't get to adopt them. She's adopted them. <laughs> I mean, Yale's not going to be competitive. I'm mm. sorry, Mina. I didn't. Now, she gets to, to adopt them. You don't get to adopt a good team. You can adopt Washington. You can adopt Washington. It's good every now and then. You don't get to come in and adopt Georgia. Hmm. Uh, I'm gonna pick Michigan. You're on Michigan, yeah. I know you are. Yeah. Obviously. All right. You I also just... think other storyline story prediction. I when... do think it's funniest if Michigan yeah. wins. Like that is by far the funniest that outcome. I would like that for with their coach on the sidelines for half the season, and then he leaves in the off season to go OC the Ravens. <sighs> I can't wait to see the um their whole coaching staff crying like somebody died if they win a national championship. It's gonna be great. <laughs> I love that guy. <sighs> Yeah, no, you don't. You wouldn't play. Did for you him. see? Did you see what he said about Bet? Oh my God! I'm so glad I got to be the one to tell you this. They asked him about some very smart reporter asked him with a camera running about you know, hey, all your all your players have been tweeting Bet, Jim. What's that about? And he's like, well, my players came up with this first of all, and then he's like, you'll have to look up what it means. But I like to think it means bringing everyone together. And he acronymed it on the spot. Oh god, that's a pro. What a coach. That's a football he's a, coach. He's got such a coach brain. He's that is the most coach <laughs> coach who has ever walked this earth. Is the coachiest <laughs> coach I've ever heard oh. in my life. Bringing everyone together. Oh god. He didn't even blink. He did not blink. Oh. He did not glance to the side. He just he had it. Oh, he had it gosh. locked and ready to go. That's terrible. Yeah, that's I mean, bet is not a new slang. Like we were saying no. bet when I was in like middle school. Like, All right, bet. You're just like, yeah, agree. We'll do that. that uh, affirmative. But he thinks it means bringing everyone together. I love coaches. I hate them, of but I love he does. them. All right, Charlie. This has been awesome. This has been fun. Thank you so much, Holly, for joining us. Thank you to Monica McNutt for being our hero. And, of course, thank you to our producers, except for Brian, the Michigan fan, everyone else. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Megan, Serafina, Tez, and that's everybody, right? We out. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show.